thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Listeners, here we are in downtown Los Angeles at the studio of Jan McCarthy, and I'm um, thrilled to be interviewing Jan and just to be um, in a room with her. We have known each other for quite um, the number of years, and what's special about Jan is that she um, she's been through kind of the rounds of entrepreneurial um, platforms that have been created by women, um, as have I. Um, And so together we've been able to say, remember when so-and-so was doing such and such? And and now we're able to look um, at where we've come, um, the progress we have yet to make, and um, we're sort of a library to to some of what has already been done, right? Um, which is not a weird say of wearing, saying we're older. It's just a it's just a, a way of saying that we've seen it. So anyway, Jan, it's so fun to have you. It's fun to be here, and thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm right there with you, sister. Um, so you have um, your career. Really, I want to back up for a second. What you have been doing and what you have accomplished is um, you've been somewhat of a trailblazer in that you were a multi-hyphenate long before people started calling themselves multi-hyphenates and long before um, I think it's something that's more adopted amongst millennials it's it's very uh, it's not unusual to do one or two things and have multiple careers and um and be freelancing your way through whatever. But you're kind of like the OG. Like you, you've, you've done that and been there. And so I can't wait to get your perspective on that. But I'd also like for you to tell us a little bit about this rich career you've had as a business owner, a professor, television host, author. I was on your TV show. You were. That's how we met. Yeah, well, we had met. Through we LTD? met or something else. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, but but no, then through I crave had... through crave. Did we meet through crave? Maybe I think so. Yes. Or, or ladies who launch. I can't. Remember. I don't know. One, okay. Of, one of the many things yeah, we've been doing. Yeah. But yes, you did I come do a TV that. show in Pasadena. I forgot about that. That's right. <laughs> and you're an, a recent author. We'll get to that. A radio host, which we'll also get to that. A blogger and a featured speaker. Um, so you you truly are a multi hyphenate. Um, currently you're running mastermind groups in LA, um, for lots of creative and entrepreneurial women. You teach art classes, you've reached recently launched a creative journal and you're hosting a podcast. So tell us a little about those platforms and maybe even what's been the through line for you. What do they all have in common and, and maybe even just the way they serve you or serve your passion? Well, they definitely serve me and my passion in terms of um, I love everything that I'm doing. It's all creative. And um, and so I love that it's it taps into that creative part of me and it also taps into entrepreneurship. So if I'm if I'm involved in any of those things, then it it brings out all of the things that I love about creating something, producing something helping someone, and um, just 
helping them to find out what their passion is, mm. they what they um, get jazzed about creating, whether it's a business, whether it's a piece of art, um, and uh, just helping them along that path to do what it is they want to do. Yeah, and you do it well. I, I've <laughs> seen you do it. Do you have a favorite of any of all those platform of all of those platforms you've created? So that's kind of like asking me if I have I a favorite child. I, that, <laughs> I have yeah. two daughters, um, but. But, 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 um, I do love, I love the creativity part mm-hmm. of it all. And so sometimes, uh, the art is, is super without overusing this word creative, which I think I've said 10 times now already. It's all right. Um, You're off the hook. but it really lets me just, uh, experiment and, and come up with something new. And it, uh, like turns on a little signal in my brain that that starts the juices flowing for other creativity yeah things to which we're going to get to that a little bit more in depth because that's something you do for other people as well um now did you set out uh you know were you intentional about creating all these various ventures or was it more a product of there's a lot of things i'm passionate about i'm going to pursue them and I'm just, I'm going to do what I love and see where it goes. What what was the kind of intended path? So it really, truly was, I'm going to do what I love and see where it goes. I've been entrepreneurial all my life. Grew up with entrepreneurs, married an entrepreneur, did my own businesses, did a little bit of stuff in the corporate world, but it's always been entrepreneurial based. And so then when I had the opportunity to get involved with Ladies Who Launch, it was like all of a sudden I knew what my passion was. Mm. Um, so before I was doing things I loved, but I didn't actually even know to call it my passion. So, um, one thing just kind of led to another opening up different opportunities, continued to present themselves and, um, allowed me to create my own platforms for different things. So I wouldn't say that I set out, set out with this business plan, uh, that this is exactly what I'm going to do. And that doesn't mean that I don't have goals or aspirations or that I don't say, oh, I want to do this and one year, six months, sure. or five years, or whatever. But it it just kept opening doors to saying, oh, this would be really, really fun to create. And, and I think women would really love this. And what if we had that? And, you know, so on and so forth. So it, There's um, a lot of wisdom in what you just said. And I don't know if you realize what a nugget it is in that it wasn't um, setting out to do, uh, t- to pursue a particular passion and make that a business, but it was almost in, what am I curious about? Mm-hmm. And uncovering those things. And um, in a few of, well, when I used to do workshops, I used to say, take away the word passion, because there's a lot of, um, it's, it's heavy, it's loaded, it and people can navel gaze for a long time and wonder, well, what am I supposed to be passionate about? And just ask yourself, what are you curious about? And you just answered that. It was just, these things bring me life. They bring me joy. I'm curious about them. If they help me, maybe they'll help somebody else. And then somehow it's turned into this amazing business or businesses in your case. Yeah, that's exactly it. I used to wonder, like... I felt bad because people would say, what are you passionate about? I go, I don't know. <laughs> it <laughs> it's, a, it's a loaded question. It is, yeah. So Yeah, and, and, and sometimes I think amongst... Um, kind of the, well, there's this new wave of what you're passionate about is tied to kind of social entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And so what you're passionate about has to be saving the world too. So it adds to the pressure mm-hmm. when I think we just open up, what are we curious about? And maybe just even who do we want to serve? It, it, 
it just makes it a little bit lighter. You know, maybe you want to serve the a, a gang of women who you want to have over for dinner and you want to help get um, kind of get them to know themselves and find out what they're curious about. And it's not it's not always, um, you know, uh, clean water in Uganda, right. um, which is amazing. And, and I'm glad that exists. But I think when we just l- kind of lighten things up a little bit, we um, are more open to what our true calling is and what we really and, and what we're, again, kind of curious about. Which, yeah, um, I like that word. I'm glad you brought it up. Absolutely. I've got a, I've got That's a, new, a freebie. A you can line. have that one. You can have <laughs> that, Jan. Um, and then I think everybody knows that it's a challenge to just run one platform. Tell us about the challenge of running multiple. Like, wh- how have you been able to juggle all of that? So I don't think of it as juggling. Um, I think of it as just, uh, and we were talking earlier about my painting, and I said, well, I'll be painting over here, and then I'll go over and I'll do this something and, you know, work on this and that kind of thing. So I don't really think about that I'm juggling occasionally. Yes, I have too many things on my plate, but I'm fortunate in the fact that when I want to paint, I can paint. And when I want to schedule the workshops that I do or the masterminds Mm -hmm. mostly is what I do or a little bit of coaching but um, mostly the mastermind dinners then I have that opportunity to to do that and schedule my life out the way I want so that I can still my children are grown they're out of the house and so you know I have that freedom to to say I want this much time to travel I want this much time to just play. Um, I always love going out to lunch and always go, yeah. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. So um, I make sure that that's always part of my life too. Now, are there nights that I'm up till two o'clock in the morning sending out sure. emails or, or invoicing or whatever it may be? Um, yeah, that happens every now and then. And I certainly have deadlines like we all do for certain things, but I don't ever really think of it as being this really challenging thing like, oh my gosh, I've got to give this many hours to art, this many hours to entrepreneurship, and especially since I think they're both integrated so easily um, as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? First, I just realized, clarify what your mastermind group is, because there are probably listeners who don't know what that is, or maybe have experienced something and don't know exactly what yours is. So let's clarify that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of people don't know what mastermind means, even though it's been around since uh, forever, Einstein's time. And uh, so... uh, it's a it's when people get together um, and they talk about what it is that they're doing and they're there to support each other, brainstorm ideas uh, to overcome challenges and give each other support in that that way, share resources. Um, so we certainly do all that. It is for women, um, but I wanted to bring uh, a different element to it. At least at the time that I started doing my masterminds about six years ago, and that was that I wanted it to feel like you're going out to dinner with your best girlfriends. But these were girlfriends that were super smart, and that's not to say that your other girlfriends weren't. Yeah. But these were girlfriends that were super smart about business and that they understood the life of an entrepreneur. And especially mm-hmm. since so many of us are solopreneurs and we work alone and we don't have that kind of community and that kind of support. So I wanted to have it feel like you're out to dinner, make it really casual in that respect, um, and you're just there to truly support each other, listen to each other, and see what you can do to all have each other's back and help each other move along at um, a better pace. And so it's also nice to have dinner. I wanted it to seem very, like, we're out at a really nice restaurant. We have wine. Um, and I set the table. Um, I set the table like you're coming to my house for dinner. 
And, um, and I vary it up a bit, but sometimes I'll bring in a speaker because I think we all need to be curious and constantly learning. Sure. Um, or I'll do something creative so that we can, we can take advantage of what creative exercises will do for us. So I want it to always be fun. Whatever I do, I want it to be fun. And so um, I think of it as that people come out and just have a really enjoyable evening and walk away with something really special when they leave. I know people have been who have been to your mastermind dinners and they just rave about them. Uh, we are actually in one of your two studios, uh, the studio where you have the mastermind uh, dinners, and it's beautiful. I can see Thank why you. people would be inspired by the space. I think one of the other things that's really cool about you doing those groups is that you have done so many things and you have allowed yourself to be curious. And so you're just a natural mentor. So while everybody is coming together in the mastermind group to support one another, share resources, all the things you said, there's also somebody in the group who can sort of guide them and who can ask them questions. You know, sometimes the best leaders are just the people who ask questions, and you're good at that. Um, what are some of the things you do in the mastermind groups that maybe our listeners, and I'm moving us into the tip section a little bit prematurely, <laughs> is it, but I just, while we're here, I want to ask that question. What are some of the things that you ask or you challenge people in the mastermind groups to do or to think about that you have found to be helpful? Well, um, yes, I think, first of all, going back to what your statement that, you know, they need somebody to, to guide them in the group because otherwise it would just be like a dinner party and, and we'd be like a runaway train and we would, we might not ever get anything what? solved. A bunch of girls <laughs> with wine? Runaway, what? Yeah. You know, we'd have fun, <laughs> yeah. but we wouldn't walk away with the things that I really want them to walk away with as well. So more than just a good time, I want them to really uh, get something valuable out of the experience. So... The kind of questions or the kind of things that I might do, um, I might give them a creative exercise, and people would, might be fearful to do that. Um, but I will let them do something that will allow them to take risk or to um, make a mistake and recognize that that's not the end of the world. Um, one time I had an improv coach come in, oh, and we did cool. a whole evening around improv and she gave us things to do and again that that helped every woman recognize like get out of their their comfort zone or be the one that maybe wanted to sit in the back of the corner and and not really talk um it was it really helped people to move outside of their comfort zone and realize that that's a part of business um, sometimes we have to do things that are uncomfortable, sure. but yet often we excel when we step outside of that. And, of course, it really helps the women to bond. Um, but I might just as easily have someone come in and talk about accounting. Or I might ask people, um, I might have a theme. So, for example, if it were February, um, and I've been doing this for six years, so I still try to vary it up in case somebody's there at the same, you know, they've, they've come every February. So I might say, um, you know, what do you love about your business? The next year, I might say, what do you love about your customers? Um, what do you love about the people who have mentored you? And how about writing them a love letter right now? Or what do you love about the other women in this room oh. that you've just met? What is that one thing that stood out when they walked in the room? What is the one thing you love about them? Um, so I think that all of those things really help the women to look at their business. And if you're not in love with your business, what, what would you do today to make yourself fall back in love again? Like, what did you love about it in the very beginning? Question. 
Because often the case is you got tied up in the busyness and you're like, why did I ever begin this crazy journey? Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like getting married, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, you have that honeymoon stage. Yeah. And then then there are challenges. You know, you might have children, you might have a job, move, or whatever it is, obviously. And the same thing can happen with business. And as you and I both know, we can get really caught up in in the stuff, the minutia of every day. We're actually working in our business, not on our business. And... And so to get people back to that place, and so I think by asking provocative questions, um, I think that's helpful. Um, we might do something on selling, so I might talk to them about selling and, like, wh- you know, why is selling so hard for so many people? And, yeah. and so we go through um, an exercise like that. And then, of course, we always try and take time to say, what is a challenge that you're having um, and um, how can the group help you? And then the other thing is to always talk about something, I call it a win, um, you know, because I think it's important to celebrate, and I love yeah. celebrating, Yeah, and I can find anything to celebrate about, so. And yeah. they probably need you to, to show them how to do that, because it can be easy to just get stuck in all the yeah. things that are going wrong. And, and one of the ones I did, um, one of the masterminds I did one time is I had everybody, um, I sent them all an email, and I said, bring five resources that are like your go-to, whether it's a babysitter, whether it's your accountant, whether it's, you know, something to do with business or whatever it is, um, bring five resources. So, um, with 12 women and five times 12, that's 60, I think. Where's my calculator? It is. Um, you know, so they walked away with 60 resources. Um, that's fantastic. In, in a three hour span. And that's something that, again, our listeners can do. They can, you know, find a group of um, creatives, business people, and um, just say, hey, what are some of the resources mm-hmm. you use? It's Absolutely. a great way to cobble up. And we try and do it um, here on the podcast. Let me ask you a question while we're on the subject of some of the things you do in the mastermind group, because you're so intentional about blending the left and the right brain. Can you share, uh, you've told me this story, but can you share a little about how your art, bringing your art into some of those and, and some of the art classes that you teach are really intended not for the Um, participant to walk away with a beautiful piece of art that they're going to hang in their living room, but that they're really intended to teach us a little bit about business and life. Yes. Well, but let me back up. It is intended for them to walk away with a beautiful oh piece of gosh. art. That they now can, the pressure's on, that, Jan. That, that they, yeah. can, they can hang in their living room because I do want them to have something they're really proud of. Um, so I, it's not just a mindless exercise of yeah. painting, which can be totally fun to do. But you're not setting out maybe to have them draw a vineyard or a flower or something? No, I okay. don't do that at all. But okay. I do lead them through a series of questions that I um, created to help everyone create something really unique and special that is very personal to them and that has something um, secretive in the painting that only they know about and they can be inspired about. Um, and then, um, but more than, more than that. So yes, it's a, it's a painting and I want them to be really happy with it. And I want them to, um, feel free to sell it or (laughs) make money or, um, or hang it on their wall. But there's other benefits to doing art. And, and these studies are well documented, um, whether it's just doodling, whether it's, um, painting, anything we do with our hands and that, opportunity to kind of pause for a minute um, allows that other section in your brain and I don't even know what section it is I don't know where that little cupboard is yeah but once you you know like and I may be 
I don't know how to say this, but um, or if I'm saying it right, but it's like creativity begets creativity. Mm-hmm. So the more creative you start being, the more creative you start getting. It's like you're unleashing and it's exercising, something. Exercising, yeah. yeah, that muscle and and just getting it flowing and getting it going. And so, um, so that part's good. And whenever you're creative like that, obviously in our businesses, we need to be creative too. I know that's a term creative entrepreneur now that everybody uses, yeah. but in fact, we've always been creative entrepreneurs. Sure. And I don't care whether you're an accountant or whether you're a, or you're a painter. Um, it's still creative and you're trying to think of creative solutions and strategies every single day. Yeah. So I feel like if you're doing it in your painting and in this painting class that you're also doing it in your work. And the other thing is that it relieves your stress. We get pretty stressed every day. Um, so doing something like that just helps to relieve stress. Um, so it also helps to problem solve or um, because you have to come up with solutions sometimes when you're painting. And it helps you to realize that it's okay to take a risk. Um, for the longest time, I was really afraid to do certain things on the canvas, and now I realize there are no mistakes in art. And in a way, there are no mistakes in business either, and, unless you know it means they come in and you know put a lock on the doors. I'm glad you said that, and we'll have pictures of your art studio um, for our listeners to see on, on libertyforher.com, but um, you would never know that you were ever afraid to have a brush in your hand because <laughs> your art um, is bold and seems somewhat fearless. So thank you for giving us permission to be scared and still do whatever. I think that's really important. And seeing your end product um, gives me hope that maybe I can, I can one day do something like that. Um, I want to go back. You said something about and you can create this piece and, and sell the art if you want. With all your different platforms, with all the ventures that you're pursuing, so you wrote this book, this, this um, journal that's, I love it. I'm always, I'm always scribbling something on it. And it's so pretty that I, I only scribble nice things, you know, things <laughs> I want to keep. But, um, and then you have your art. You are a fine artist, in fact. Um, and you have the mastermind groups and you have the podcast with all these different ventures. Do you look at, I'm going to go into the financial kind of conversation real quick. Do you look at, let's say all four or five of them, whichever you, you count, um, to be revenue generating ventures. And do you say they each need to generate X amount of revenue? Do they all play a a role or do equal role? Um, or do you have some ventures that are to kind of breathe life into other ventures? That's a great um, way you put all of that. And the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I should. I'm Well, I don't know if there's no, a I, should or shouldn't, I, I, but yeah. I don't. And I'm... Um, I just really enjoy what I'm doing. And I think if I am enjoying what I'm doing um, and it's and I'm taking all the right steps to promote it and let people know that it's there um, and it makes money, then that that's that makes me happy. I'm Mm -hmm. happy. I'm happy mostly because I feel like people are getting something out of it. So whether Mm -hmm. it's the mastermind dinner or whether it's the a piece of art, um, or even whether it's the podcast or, or something that's maybe not making money at this point. Yeah, but to me, the podcast is, it's introducing people to you as an expert. 
they're listening to you. They're listening to you. I mean, hello, I'm doing it too right now. They're listening to you advise other people, ask questions, be curious. And if you're in Los Angeles, you have access to you. You know, you can join a mastermind group. So in some ways, it's not intended perhaps to be a vehicle, a right. selling vehicle to the mastermind group, but it it, it, it has could the be. potential yes. to be. And if I ever go online or do something online, sure. then sure, that's that's an opportunity there. Okay. But that's not the intention. No, no, no. Okay. No, never. So no. let me let me um, address something that some of our listeners might be saying, well, good for Jan that she gets to do all this cool stuff that she loves. I have to make money. Mm-hmm. When did you get to the point where you could focus on the things that you love? And how would you advise somebody who's, who doesn't have that opportunity? Would you say really focus on ventures that are bringing in revenue, but save one that helps you to be creative? So, you know, what would you say to well, that Well, I person? would definitely say to someone to always, always have that, that place where you can be creative. And I don't mean it to make it sound like um, I don't, have to make money with this because I feel like, I mean, none of the things I'm doing, they may be creative and I may put them together in a different kind of package, but it's not like I invented anything like, like major, major. So if I wanted to take any of these one things that I really love and focus on it to make money, I could do that. I feel like I could do that. And I could do that through all of the avenues, which anybody else could do too. So whether they were an artist or whether they were working with entrepreneurial women or whether they were doing anything that they chose to do, and especially, um, excuse me, if they were uh, passionate, (laughs) forgive the word, but they were excited about it, then they could do all of that. They They could put that focus there. They could make it work. And... I think that they could, and, and and if they need to make money or they want to make money because some people use that as a measure of success, then I think they absolutely could. So it sounds like part of what you're saying is, I'm pursuing all these things. I have, for the most part, their money-making endeavors, that mm-hmm. you're, yours. Um, some don't, and that's by intention, by design. And if you wanted to, some of what is important is looking at scale. Mm-hmm. Some of what's important is you know, focusing a little bit more, but it's, it's not to say that the ventures that you've pursued or the platforms that you're introducing us to in this conversation, um, are not platforms that somebody could really pursue, take seriously and make money doing. I I think they could, if that's what they wanted to do. And I think I could take all of these or, or just one of these, it might require a little bit more focus than I do now, than I give each one of my babies. Um, but I love everything I'm doing so much. I don't necessarily want to give up one over the other. Yeah, and, and you've designed that life. That's mm-hmm. intentional. Exactly. And I think that's what's important about, and I was making the distinction to say, for those of us who can, for those of us who have the opportunity to be in a situation where we can design it and take advantage of it, then look at you. You're a great example of that. And for those who may have to focus a little bit more, all, all we're saying is, is, is go ahead and focus, but those platforms are available to you mm-hmm. or those are things that you can um, and, pursue. And can I just add, um, I think it goes along with this conversation that we're having, um, is that I also think that you have to 
not only create some of your opportunities, but you also mm. have to be really open to the opportunities that come along with the things that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and some people might call it luck. Um, but I think that it's also just keeping your eyes open, your ears open, and like look at whether it's looking at ways to collaborate, whether it's looking at, oh, well, you know what? I might could offer this over at this place, or I might could do this, or I could bring in this person, that kind of thing. So it's really focusing on those opportunities that could could help to blow it up. But now, if I wanted to really blow something up, that that takes away from the lifestyle that I want because it might mean I need to hire more people. It might mean that I need to make certain changes in my life that sure. I don't want to make at this point in time. Um, but that doesn't mean that someone else might not choose that and want to go down that path. Thanks for that. I was, um, our listeners couldn't see, but I was nodding a lot <laughs> when you were, when you were talking about that. Thanks, Jan. Thanks for sharing that and being, um, kind of vulnerable, honest about that. Cause I think it's sometimes, it's easy for us to listen to those things and say, well, I wish I could do that. Or I wish I had that luxury. And it's important to note that that was by design. You did that on purpose and you did it in a time in your life where you could, you know, mm -hmm. like you said earlier, your girls are grown up and there's, there's some luxuries that you are experiencing now that maybe when they were younger, you couldn't. Um, so, Go back. I'm going to go back a little bit. I touched on the fact that you're a mentor to a lot of um, women. And I know through your mastermind groups and just your generous spirit in general that um, you always have an encouraging word. Um, I've been around you in a lot of these different um, kind of venues and opportunities. And you're always trying to encourage women to sort of pursue what they're curious about. Additionally, you've got some real tools that you're able to give them and some real good advice that you need to give them. And recently, or that, you've, that you have given them, and recently I came across a statistic that said the three things that women need, and really I would say anybody going into business to ensure success, are access to money, so money, three M's, uh, model, business model, and mentorship. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Did you have a mentor and what are your thoughts on mentorship in general? Well, I do. I think mentorship would probably be one of the most important because somehow, some way, you can probably get access to the money. You know, whether it's Kickstarter, whether it's family loan, whether it's savings, whether it's whatever it is, then a loan from the bank, whatever, you may be able to have access to the money if, in fact, you even need the money. Some yeah. businesses, obviously brick and mortar, things like that, you're going, there's, it's going to take a lot more money than, than something like an artist, say, for example, buy some canvas, buy some paints, um, get creative that way. But um, I think that's more accessible in a, in a unique way. And I do know that a lot of people let them let that hold them back because they think they don't have the money but I think you can also get creative about how you go about getting the money and today with technology and the kickstarters and all that stuff yeah. I think there are more ways to do it um the uh what was the other one there's mentorship and what's the third one model model yeah, good business model well I think that if you don't have some sort of model and you don't think a little bit about how you're going to um have that uh, re, you know, be a benefit to you, then 
it really is maybe more of just a hobby. So you want to have some sort of business model that you're following and how you um, might profit from this at some point. Um, mentorship, I think, is just super important because very few of us are out there all by ourselves. And um, as far as who mentored me, everybody mentors me. Mm. You mentor me. Um, my daughters mentor me. My husband, my people in the past that I, you know, that I don't even know personally, the books I read. I think of everything that I'm involved in is kind of a muse, a mentor, and... Um, helping to guide me in everything that I do. Yeah, it's back to that curious thing. You're, you're, a, you're a poster child for curiosity. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so now we really are going to transition into listening to you as an expert, you giving us some advice and resources, and we're going to really tap into your, your uh -oh, brain we'll a little I really bit. Know no, I not. know you do. I wouldn't <laughs> ask if I, if I didn't know. So a lot of people listening, again, are thinking, oh, my gosh, this career sounds insane. She has built this multi-hyphenate, again, um, path for herself. She's able to take advantage of all these opportunities. She's able to do all these cool things. Um, I wish I could do that. Tell us a little bit, kind of take us behind the curtain and just tell us about what are the pluses and the minuses of that multi-hyphenate career path. Doing everything, um, the pluses are that I'm doing things that I love. Yeah. I'm doing things that I'm interested in, curious about, um, and constantly learning and discovering new things. Um, I think those are truly the pluses, and especially because with the work that I do with the women, um, entrepreneurs, or even entrepreneurs in general, um, I get to meet so many awesome people that... Um, inspire me and, and, you know, I mean, you're doing the same thing. So with, with regard to that, and so that's certainly a plus, 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 plus. Um, the negative parts of doing all of this um, is... Or just to watch out for, you know, to, be aware that this is coming your way if you accept this kind of path. Well, sometimes you're going to spread yourself too thin. Okay. Um, you're not going to be able to give every, you know, we're not super women mm -hmm. um, and we try to be and you're, you're going to just spread yourself too thin. And especially today where you've got to be present, um, like here's an example I think is that I'm really trying to up my Instagram game now, right? Mm -hmm. I also really liked writing my blogs. For one year, I wrote a blog every single day. And it was a piece of business advice every day, like a business lesson I learned in the day, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, from everyday life. And I don't have time to blog anymore. And, and so like, how do you, um, how do you do both? Uh, so mm. there's some real things that you have to watch out for you. I think you have to pick um, what you like, but you also have to pick what, what people are responding to in terms of learning about your business. So it sounds like it's just being somewhat disciplined and aware of, you know, when there are so many things to choose from, discipline about which one you're going to do and engage in, and aware that you can't do all of the things all of the time. That multi-hyphenate doesn't mean that, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, that everything gets the same attention or equal parts mm -hmm. of your um, attention. And sometimes it's kind of, uh, well, I'm, I want to keep painting, and, but yeah. no, I need to make sure I get that Instagram picture. And yeah. so you step out of that moment. Or, or um, 
I'm having this great conversation. I want to just go to lunch with somebody, but I feel like, oh my gosh, I should have gotten those yeah. invoices out or written up those show notes or, done, you know, done whatever. So, um, yeah, those right. are the things that you do have to be um, cautious of, you know, getting your, yourself involved and, in. And while in a given year you're accomplishing a lot of things, you're not doing everything at the same time. There are seasons where maybe, and it could be weeks, the seasons could be short, where maybe you're, I'm asking this more as a question, um, where your art is getting a lot of the attention mm -hmm. or the book got a lot of the attention. And it doesn't mean that you're still not doing the podcast, but maybe you're not um, also doing a mastermind group twice a week or something like so that. So there are some things that I'm committed to. So I'm committed to my podcast every week. I'm committed to my masterminds, which I actually have two. Um, one is one is a private group for the year, and mm -hmm. the other one um, meets um, whoever registers for it. Yeah. Um, but they only meet once a month. Yeah. And um, so those things... Those are regular, they're scheduled, they're part of what you always do. Absolutely committed to. There may be days where I don't paint at all, and then there may be days where... I can barely come out of the studio because I'm just so excited with what I'm painting. I'll get an idea and I can't wait to, to go into the studio and paint. Um, so uh, I guess that's kind of how my days go. And then there are projects uh, that I, I, I'll put them in two different categories. So there's projects that I'm constantly working on mm -hmm. uh, what, that may be art-related or even business-related because, like, as, as you mentioned, I, I wrote this book, but I also have some other products that are uh, business-related that I've been working on. And then there's other things that I need to learn. So whether it's, like, Instagram, more learning more about Instagram or Pinterest or um, some of the... Uh, uh, the apps out there like uh, Asana or Calendly or whatever it is, I need to learn how to do those. Um, so I try and take time for that. Um, that continuous student thing. Mm -hmm, yeah. That continuous student that, that we need to do. So, um, so yeah, sometimes it is hard to find all the, all the different time. Like there's, there's more books that I'd like to write. There's more things that I'd like to do. Um, and it's just a matter of finding the time to to pursue all of those do you things. block your time like give us a tip on how you <laughs> run your day because it's a lot I'm very spontaneous and I I know that structure is really good for you um, but I'm so terrible at it and I'm kind of scattered um, I have my system uh, I think the thing that has helped me the most is um I love this app on my computer that my daughter introduced me to called Pocket. Mm -hmm. And so every time I see a website or anything I love, I just stick it in Pocket. And then I can go back and, and find it. Now, it's not organized in Pocket like it should be, but at least it's a place I can hold it. Instead of having um, 50 windows open on my computer, I would have had like probably 500. So Pocket's been great. Okay. And then the other thing is actually hiring somebody. I found that when I'm able to have an assistant or even if it's a VA, that's really helped tremendously at keeping me more focused and organized. Okay, that's helpful. So one of the things you said um, or that I heard you say was that you know yourself and you know it mm -hmm. works for yourself. And mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. If blocking works for you, which is you know two hours here or three hours here any given day, then go for it. 
if you are more spontaneous and that's something that really gives you, it kind of fuels you. Once you know that, just understand, you know, what the pitfalls of, of that might be and hiring somebody to, to help make up or, or, or yeah. you know, fill in the gap, but knowing, knowing yourself and how you work. And there are pitfalls. I mean, I wish I was the type of person who could be scheduled and have these habits that I did every day. And yeah. I keep trying and who knows, maybe one day... Um, before I die, I'll figure it all out. Well, as long as, long as you're still the same old Jan McCarthy. Otherwise, <laughs> don't bother. Um, okay, so one of the things I kind of tapped into at the very beginning of the, of the conversation was that um, you and I have been around, uh, and I mean that in the best way, but <laughs> to, to really see some of what has been done, what has been kind of tried and true, and what, um, what's circling back and reinventing itself in terms of this sort of entrepreneurial thing. And it seems like millennials are embracing entrepreneurship in a very natural way, almost, you know, I think um, to a degree where they may feel the pressure to be entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas for Gen Xers and boomers, it just wasn't the case. Uh, You and I are very fringe, I would say, of, uh, you know, amongst our friends. Sure, we found a group of people like us, um, but for the most part, we picked a non-straight line path or trajectory um, how would you, or, or, or first of all, why do you think that's the case that millennials are embracing it and maybe Xers and boomers didn't, or it was hard? Well, I think we grew up with being afraid of things that we weren't familiar with. Um, I think that, uh, I, I think that, you know, there's still a certain bit of mentality that our parents had that said, you need to get a job, you need to stay in that job, that's the safe place yeah. to be. And um, I think that our generations, the Gen Xers and the boomers are starting to find out that that's not safe at all. Yeah, yes. Um, necessarily that you, there's far more safety when you're in control. And you at least, if you fail, you failed. Um, and somebody else didn't fail you. Yeah. And um, so I think that's part of it. I think that also the millennials, we've told them they can do anything and they believe that they can. Um, so it's also kind of like the quote about the bumblebee aerodynamically, the bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly, but the bumblebee doesn't know that. So the bumblebee does. Um, I love that. I don't know if I said it right, but it's oh, something like well, that. Whatever, it works. <laughs> it totally works. I love that. Yeah. So I think that they don't know what they don't know and they're willing, they're willing to try it and they're not as attached to, uh, things and mortgages and, yeah. uh, responsibilities in that way. Um, so, so they figure, why not? If I, if, if I don't make it, so what, I'll, I'll just do something else. So what can we learn from them? How, how can they mentor us through, uh, you know, Gen Xers and boomers to say entrepreneurship is in fact a viable um, way to pursue something you're curious about, to look for financial freedom, to um, make a difference in your world, to write a book, to, you know, produce a documentary, to start a traditional business, start a charity, like how can we take those entrepreneurial um, lessons from them? Any Anything that you think we should be looking at? I mean, one of the things that stands out to me is just technology, their ability mm-hmm. to use technology to their benefit. Um, anything anything come to mind? Well, I, I think that really the, the fact that they're, um, the, the Gen Xers and the boomers, they're afraid to fail. 
and they're afraid to um, uh, be embarrassed by by that. Well, it wasn't allowed by that failure. Yeah. Right, right. You know, you go to college, you you grow up, you go to college, or you know, you go and make something of yourself, and you you don't fail. Um, so I think we can certainly learn that from them um, that it's not a failure. It's just if you don't happen to make it. Um, so to take more risk. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, lose your savings or yeah, your 401k, but there are calculated risks that you can certainly take. And, and don't worry about how you look. Like, they, they worry about how they look on the social media. Um, yeah. But they, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, but there's funny. almost honor in failing at something. Yeah. With the millennials, I think. This is my opinion yeah. only. Um, and I know we've discussed um, yeah. all of this a lot. And maybe we've never discussed this part, but that's my opinion, yeah. is that um, that's where their fear comes from, is how they might look to their friends. But there's almost an honor in trying something, sure. taking that risk, and, and even not having it work out. It's got a story to t- They've got a story to tell. There's a great, um, I think her name is Jessica, is it Sarah, Jessica Blakely, the, the Spanx? Oh, Sarah? Uh-huh. Is it Sarah? I think it is. Um, and it's uh, it's not a quote. It's something that growing up um, at the dinner table, her father would ask both her and her brother every day what they failed at that day. Love it. And the idea was to just get them accustomed to the idea of trying something and that the reward for trying wasn't success. The reward for trying was failure. Um, I mean, not reward, for, but, but for trying. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you I for fixing you that. Yeah. And we actually, I'm the oldest of four, and we have a, a kind of saying in our family um, that nothing ventured, nothing ventured. Like the mm-hmm. goal is the venture, the, mm-hmm. the adventure, and to try something and to pursue something. And um, and I think there is a ton of value in that. And that's not to diminish the, the idea that we can be looking at businesses from a um, from a bottom line point of view as well. But the advice for the Gen Xer and the Boomer is get out there, mm-hmm. give it a try. I, yeah, I think we all have a lot to learn from each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, launching a business is, we said, easier than ever because I think mainly technology. Um, and it's changed the game for everyone. Have you found any tools? And you mentioned a few, Asana and Pocket. And there was a third one that you mentioned. Um, Calendly. Oh, Calendly. Yeah. yeah, that's Cal- to help Calendly. you. Calendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It it helps you to schedule your appointments. That's right. That's um, right. I've been invited through it to, to several <laughs> appointments. And do you use those? I use, you're learning to use them. I use Calendly okay. a little bit, but okay. I'm trying to figure out the deeper part of it, <laughs> the okay. enhancement part of it, or whatever. Oh, you're going um, second level on us. Okay. Love, love right. pocket. Um, yeah. Okay. So. so we'll definitely have those in the in the show notes. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you something that you know it's kind of what would you say to that 30 that 20 year old um, version of you like. What do you wish that you would have known then, whenever then is, um, that would have changed or informed um, the way you pursued launching your various businesses now? The power of social media. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, when I was doing my blog a long time ago, I had no idea that it, it could have potentially really had power. Um, I had no idea that a podcast could have had power at expanding and growing my audience and sharing my messages. And 
for a long time. Um, I didn't even, I kept thinking like how in the world as, as a business coach, yeah. consultant, mastermind yeah. or whatever, I couldn't figure out how in the world I had anything to say on, on Instagram or Pinterest, mm. either one. Um, the women in my mastermind group kept telling me I had to get on Instagram and I said, but I have no idea what would I post. And even as an artist? I don't, I don't know if this is before. Maybe well, you know what? Even as an artist, I sort of knew the idea of Mm -hmm. of art, but I wasn't necessarily. I mean, I've only been doing art for like four and a half years, so um, maybe not even. You know, so I didn't really. It didn't occur to me even when I started doing art. I never did art to sell art. I did art because I wanted something to put on my walls and. My husband didn't want to buy art. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, that's awesome. So that's why I started doing painting okay. and, and everything. So, so you, you would have told that, you know, 20, 30-year-old you to pursue um, social media in terms of making a dent and, and having influence and making Pay an attention impact. to the way marketing is changing. Okay. You know, people said marketing is changing, and I still felt... It was still old school. You know, email is really still the best way to go or whatever. And email is still cool. But, yeah. but um, no, I didn't understand. And, and technology scares me. So there's not much that scares me, but technology scares me. Yeah. Um, thanks for saying that. Because going back to the Gen Xer and the Boomer, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that is, it inhibits forward movement. And there are things that, you know, learn to use these two things really well and then find people that can can do mm-hmm. it for you, teach you how to do it. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, thanks, Jan, for saying uh, you've shared so much. There's been so much wisdom in this, and I so appreciate it. We're going to switch it up real quick, and we're going to do kind of this really fun thing that we do at the end of each podcast called our Quick Six. So I'm just going to ask you six questions and just give me the first answer that comes to mind. So do you prefer a nine-to-five or a flex schedule? Flex. Yeah. <laughs> how did I know that? Um, vacationing in the mountains or the beach? Beach. Um, work from home or office? Both. Uh, well, and I have to tell you all because you can't see. Jan has this killer loft on the in downtown L.A., um, I'm not going to say where because that's creepy, Um, (laughs) but a killer loft. And then right across the street, two studios. One is where she does her mastermind groups and one is where she creates her amazing art and does her podcast. And so home and office are merged in a lot (laughs) of ways. Um, Working alone or with a team? Alone. But I love, I I mean, I I love people. Yeah. yeah, but you I'm do. not. I'm I've not very that. good at sharing. If I'm, I've got my own ideas about something. I don't know. Whatever I do is yeah. kind of mine anyway. So, yeah. but that doesn't mean if there were a project that I wouldn't love having a team and working with them. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I can see that. Um, Thai or Mexican food? I'm going to say Thai because okay. Mexican seems so common. And do you know that mo- most people are saying Thai? Although really, we had a little upswing in the Mexican choice. We ah. had three in a row say Mexican, ah, so okay. you're bringing it back to but Thai. Mexican is everywhere, and yeah. it's not. I love unusual anything. Yeah. I love the unique. I always search for the unique. And we did go to Thailand one year, and oh. and, and I didn't think there would be anything for us to eat, so I took a whole box of peanut butter crackers, um, and then I found this. <laughs> 
had like my stash. And then I found that the food was really quite amazing. So, And you tossed out the peanut butter crackers, I, lo- I hope, right? <laughs> or did you keep them just in case? Well, I, I mean, I kept them because we were traveling all around. I okay. didn't know if there might come a point where I couldn't eat. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's very cool. Most of us are just thinking of the Thai place down the street. Way to take it up a notch. You actually <laughs> went to Thailand. Okay. And then, as you know, this podcast is called Liberty Sessions, and we've named the company Liberty because we're really trying to liberate women through entrepreneurship. So it's natural for us to ask our last question, which is, what is liberated? What does being liberated mean to you? And I think staying true to myself, Mm. Um, really going after what it is that I want, um, not being afraid of what the consequences are, and just mostly liberating is enjoying life completely, Um, taking, you know, carpe diem, enjoying it to the max. You are um, a shining example of that. So thank you thank for you. being that example. Thank you thank for, thank you for this time. Absolutely. It's been it's so my fun. treat, actually. It's so fun. And for all you Liberty, Liberty listeners, um, again, we'll be having uh, the um, resources that Jan mentioned in the show notes. So hang on tight. In the meantime, if you want to see what Jan's all about, you can visit her at janmccarthy.com. And that's M-A-C-C. No, M-C-C. Oh, M-C. Okay, let's start all over. Jan, J-A-N-M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y.com. So you can check her out. Until then, we're out of here. Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. Liberty is spelled L-I-B-E-R-T-Y-F-O-R-H-E-R. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. And just remember, there is life after the top knot, as evidenced here. See you next week. Thank you.